0: Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, and from the Lord Jesus Christ, I am the voice of one in the wilderness of this world and life, crying, prepare ye the way of the Lord, make every crooked path straight, repent, for the kingdom of God is at hand. In our last broadcast, in the month of January, we looked at faith in application, and noted that if we are to be able to live by faith on a daily basis, the following are crucial, one, we must be willing to take a risk in God. Faith is risky business, and so we must take that risk. And it's a calculated risk, but it is in God. And that means that that risk is not going to fail us because God does not fail. Secondly, we we, we noted that you need to know unequivocally the ability of God. We don't doubt the ability of God. And then thirdly, we said that we need to recognize the sovereignty of God. For as much as God is able to do certain things or do anything that he wants to do, His sovereignty is crucial. And then we said, uh, fourthly, that we need to recognize that God has authority over everything. That includes Satan, includes uh, world leaders, includes planets, includes the solar system, includes the weather, everything. Fifthly, we said that we need to trust the love of God. We must trust that God loves us. Jesus loved the young rich ruler but he had to tell him what it was that he needed to get into, uh, to gain eternal life. And it, it must be the same for us. That when God is speaking to us, we know that he loves us. So whatever he's asking us to do is not to kill us, but it's for us to be able to gain eternal life. Sixthly, we said that we need to trust God's approach. God's approach can, be, can come in the form of a tribulation, but it is his approach all the same. And because we know that he loves us, we can trust that whatever it is that he's doing is for our own good. Seventhly, we we noted that we just don't have to trust God for miracles, which is what many of us do. We just want to trust God when it's time for miracles. But we must also trust him, more importantly, for our salvation and for our sanctification. It's crucial that faith also is involved in believing God for salvation and believing God for sanctification. That is, to live a holy life, to be set apart from sin and to be prepared unto every good work. Number eight, we we, we said that we need to remember that our faith in God will be tested, will be proven. And that test comes through fiery trials to find out whether it is genuine or it is fake. If it is genuine, we will be able to withstand whatever trials, whatever fiery things are thrown at us. If it is fake, of course, we will not be able to withstand it Will fall apart. Number nine, we said that faith accepts God's approach for developing Christian virtues in us. For example, we know that through trials and tribulations, God develops in us patience, He develops in us perseverance, endurance, character, that's the, the, the nature of God comes forth, and also His love is manifested, even through those things. And ten, which was I think the last thing we, we, we looked at, was that we need to remember that those who, tro- we need to remember all those who had trusted God in time past and how God came through for them. We saw the example of Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, and we saw the example of Daniel in the lion's den. And we also need to remember that Job also faced his own trial and thank God he made it through. At the end of the day, all worked well for, um, for, for, for Job, just as it will for us. Now, in today's broadcast, we shall press further on the subject of Of faith in application. That is living daily. By faith. And the overriding. uh, 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 Gamut. Of our discussion today. Will be the word of God. Now since faith comes. By hearing. And hearing by the word of God. That's what Romans chapter 10 verse 17 tells us. It follows that number one. There can be no faith. Apart from. What God has said. And so. You must be convinced about the veracity of the Word of God. If that conviction is not there, whether it is written through the written Word or the spoken Word, you will not be able to live by faith on a daily basis. You must know, you must believe the Word of God. In John chapter 17, verse 17, John chapter 17, verse 17, the B part, the Bible says, Your Word is truth. The Lord Jesus was praying. And he said, sanctify them, that's sanctify disciples by your word. He says, your word is truth. We must believe the veracity of the word of God. We must believe that the word of God is truth. We may not understand it. We may not be able to comprehend why it will be truth, but it is truth. It is not just the truth. It is truth itself. The word of God is truth itself. And we must hold on to it. In James chapter 1 verse 5 to 8. James chapter 1 verse 5 to 8. The Bible says, If any of you lacks wisdom, let him ask of God. Who gives to all liberally and without reproach. And to be given to him. But let him ask in faith. With no doubting. For he who doubts is like a wave of the sea. Driven and tossed by the wind. For let not that man suppose that he will receive anything from the Lord. He is a double minded man. Unstable in all his ways. It's simple. Are you trusting God for one thing or the other? Ask in faith. Doubting nothing. You must believe the word of God. I'll give you an exa- example. In, um, I think it's the first Kings uh, chapter three or so. Solomon after giving thanks to God for all that God had done for him, establishing him in, 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 the, in, the, in his kingdom and, and so on and so forth, he gave a thousand bond offerings. Then he went he went to, to his uh, home and slept. That night God appeared to him. And God said to him, Ask whatever it is you want, and I'll give it to you. And Solomon asked for wisdom. And then God told him that, well, I'm 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 I'm, I'm impressed. And you didn't ask for the life of your enemies, you didn't ask for things that others will ask, money and other things. So the, the wisdom you have asked for, I will give to you. And the things you didn't ask for, money, um, the life of your enemies and all those things, the greatness, I will give those things also to you. And then the Bible says, and when when uh, Solomon woke up, oh, he discovered that it was a dream. Even though it was a dream, yet God had met with him in that dream. And shortly after that, Two prostitutes came before Solomon with a a living child and a dead child. And each one claimed that the dead child belonged to the other and the living child was his, was hers rather. It was through the wisdom that God had given to Solomon, albeit in a dream, that, that Solomon was able to adjudicate on the matter and was able to determine which of the women rightly owned the living child. So we must believe the word of God. We must we 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 should not even doubt it in the slightest. If we if there's doubt in the word of God, then there's going to be a problem with our living by faith because faith is tied to the word of God. Secondly, still the word of God and faith. You cannot walk by faith unless you are in communication with God. This is the place of prayer. When you say you believe God, you believe God. Or you are convinced, rather, as to the veracity of the word of God, then you want to be able to hear from God on a regular basis, so that you know what to do. In John chapter eleven, verse one to forty-four, John chapter eleven, verse one to forty-four, the Bible tells us the story of how Lazarus died, got ill at first, died, was buried, and then four days after his death, the Lord Jesus appeared on the scene and raised him out. But the beginning of the story is very crucial. And very, very significant in what we are discussing. That you must be in constant communication with God. Now, when they sent to Jesus to come that Lazarus was ill, the Bible records for us that Jesus loved them. He loved Lazarus. He loved Lazarus' sisters. And they were dear to him. Yet, when he heard that Lazarus was sick, he stayed back for two more days. He didn't even bother to, to move from where he was. He didn't even bother. And when the disciples heard that they had sent for him, he just waved it and told the disciples, look, the sickness of Lazarus is not unto death. And they said, okay, no problem. So let's continue. Then uh, three or four days after, he said to them, okay, let's go and uh, wake Lazarus up. And they said, if he's sleeping, let other people wake him. Why do we have to wake him? He said, okay, let me tell you plainly now. Lazarus is dead. And I'm saying it because I want you to know that I know that he's dead. But in spite of all of that, He is going to be raised up. And so they followed him. Now, what is important is that the Lord Jesus Christ had heard from the Father that that sickness was not unto death. And so he could tell that this sickness is not unto death. It's not going to kill him. And even though it eventually killed Lazarus, yet he was able to raise him back to life. What he was saying was that forget about it, whether he dies or not, he is still going to live. It would be difficult for many of us to appreciate the ways of God and the word of God. But what is important is that when God says that this sickness is not unto death, even when death comes, it is not unto death. It was in that passage, that passage of scripture that tells the story of Lazarus, that the Lord began to speak to us concerning the matter of uh, the the, the resurrection back to life of them that are dead. He said, though a man were dead, yet because he believes in him, he will be raised up again. And Lazarus was raised up. And he told, he told Martha, Lazarus, he said, I am the resurrection and the life. Anybody that believes in me, though he were dead, shall live again. And so we may not understand what God is saying. But the truth of the matter is that what he has said is truth. And we must hang on to it. That takes us to the, to the third thing that we need to note. If we are going to walk with God by faith. If we are going to live on a daily basis by faith. You must believe resolutely. You must believe resolutely. There should be no iota of doubt, of unbelief, of fear, or any of that sort. We must believe resolutely the word of God. And if we say, if we lay claim to it that we believe it, then we must do what it says to us to do. You, you, you must, you, you must be able to step out in faith based on the word of God. Hang on to the word of God and the word of God alone, and step out. In Luke chapter five. Luke chapter 5, the Bible tells us about how the Lord Jesus Christ climbed into the boat of Peter and, and, and his uh, brother and friends to preach. And after the preaching, he told Peter, he said, lunch, you know, just move your boat a little bit out and then uh, cast your nets into the, into the water. Peter said, sir, we have toiled all night. We are fishermen by profession. We have toiled all night and we didn't catch any fish. And night time is when things are quiet. Now, I'm the one adding all of this and paraphrasing so that we can understand. Nighttime is when everything is quiet and calm, and so the fish can actually come back. In the time when there's a lot of boating activities all over the place, there's no fish around. But here you are saying to the Lord now, you have been preaching, making all that noise. The crowd is all around with the noise. Now you tell us to push out a bit and then to cast our nets. Okay, even though we have toiled, even though it doesn't make sense, but at thy word, at thy word, And he threw out one net, even though the Lord told him to cast out his nets. He threw out one net, and when the catch came in, the net began to break. If he had thrown out all the nets, there would have been no breakage. And the haul of fish would have been even much more than the one that he caught. So, we, 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 we must be willing to obey God. We must be willing to do whatever it is that he says we should do, doubting nothing. In Matthew chapter 14, verse 26 to 31. Matthew 14, 26 to 31. The Bible tells us about how the Lord Jesus Christ walked on water so that so as to rescue his um, disciples who were being tossed to and fro on a boat. And as he walked on water and they saw him, of course they were terrified because they didn't believe that any human being could walk on water. They thought it was a ghost. But when he, he, he was by them, he said, Be of good cheer. It is I. And I'm the one, your master. And Peter now said, if it is you, bid me to come. And the Lord said, come. And Peter jumped out of the boat and began to walk on water as well. But then, suddenly he looked at the boisterousness of the water, the waves booming and everything, and it, it dawned on the "Wait a minute! I'm walking on water. And instantly, he began to sink. And he shouted to the Lord for help. And the Lord came and helped him into the boat. What is the story that when the Lord brought him into the boat, he said to him, why did you doubt? Why did you doubt? You know there are times when God will ask you to do certain things. He's not asking you to try to to try and figure it out because it is in figuring it out that you will stop doing those things. If Peter had not looked at the boisterousness of the waves and reasoned in his mind that wait a minute this is water I'm not supposed to be walking on water he wouldn't have he wouldn't have sunk he would have continued to walk on water. So there are times when God will ask us to do the impossible virtually. It is not for us to try and reason it out. It's just for us to do it. I I, I recall once I, I was driving, um, I was driving a car, and the fuel tank was really really low. But I re- I remembered a I remembered attending a, a meeting in which the pastor preached and said there was once he was driving and his, his fuel tank went low, and God told him don't look at the tank, just continue to drive. So I remember that. And I refused to look at the tank and I continued to drive. My wife was trying to draw my attention to the fact that, ah, what's the tank level? I said, leave the tank level alone. Let's just continue. That car stopped as soon as we got to the gate of our house. That was when the car stopped. And I just parked it there and went into sleep. You see, we must trust God. We don't look at those things, the indicators that have been told that, that, that we know to say, okay, this, if, if, if this indicator is this, then it means there's no fuel. If the indicator is, is this, then it means that, um, this thing is not all right. It, it applies also to health matters. Many of us, that for those who don't have the faith, fine. But if you say you want to live with God by faith, you cannot believe even the reports of the doctors. It is the report of God that you believe. If the doctors give you a report, there's nothing wrong with that. Doctors and they are free to go ahead and give their report. That is what they are trained to do. After you have received the report of the doctor, just go to God and commune with him. And say, Lord, I have heard the report of the doctor. What is your own report? God can tell you, you leave the report of the doctor, and he can say to you, "Leave the report of the doctor alone. I will tell you what to do, and then you follow him. But you must believe him absolutely. You cannot be one leg in the, in the in in what God is asking you to do, and put another leg in what the doctors are asking you to do. You must choose which one you want to follow. If it is God, then follow God. If it is doctors, then you follow the doctors. Number four, still looking at the word of God, because. Faith cometh by hearing and hearing by the word of God. So regardless of what may happen to the contrary, keep holding on to the word of God. You see, after God has spoken a word, certain things will happen to the contrary that will suggest that the word of God may not be true. But because we know that the word of God is truth, we hold on to it. For example, in Romans chapter 4. From verse 17 to 25, I believe thereabout. The Bible says concerning Abraham and uh, and God, it says Abraham believed in hope against all hope. God had spoken to Abraham when he was 75 years old and he lamented the fact that his wife was barren and that he had no children and that a servant was coming to inherit whatever it is that he was going to have. And God said to him, don't worry, you are going to have a son. Abraham said, and the Bible says, Abraham believed God and was accounted to Abraham for uh, righteousness. Now, this was at 75. Ten years after that, Sarah couldn't stand it against her. I don't know what you're holding on to, but look, I'm not going to have a child. That's, that's settled. It's not going to be possible for me to have a child. So this is what is going to happen. Go into my maid. Who knows? I might just be able to adopt the child that she, that she brings forth. Let her be a surrogate uh, to, to me as it were. Uh, inseminate her, and then she will carry the baby, and the baby will be mine. It sounded a good plan to Abraham, and so Abraham went into uh, uh, Sarah's maid, Hagar, and the Bible says that the moment Hagar realized that she was pregnant, she despised Sarah. So Sarah did not even have the joy of, 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 of touching the, 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 the stomach, the tummy, of Hagar, Let alone see that child as hers. Hagar completely shot Sarah out. So her plans failed. And by the time the boy was born, Abraham was 86 years old. Now, 10, 11 years had passed and nothing had happened. Some 13 years after that, when Abraham was now 99 and Sarah was 89, God now comes back to Abraham to say, now you are going to have a child and he's going to be called Isaac. And Abraham, of course, Laughed. The Bible says he, he, he fell down on his face and began to laugh. You can imagine the kind of laughter that he must laughed, that they must have laughed, that made him to fall onto the, onto the ground and begin to laugh. In fact, he told God, I "said Lord, leave that thing alone. Look at me at my age. What is there? What pleasure? What sexual pleasure do I do? Can I derive from anything? Look, just bless Ishmael and let Ishmael be for you." God said, "No. Ishmael is not your. Is not going to be the one through whom the promise I have made to you will come. It's going to be through this fellow." That you are going to name Isaac. In fact, when God now finally came back, and and, and I, 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 I want to remind you that God now told Abraham to circumcise his entire family and himself. Abraham could have looked at it and said, Look, what is what is there to circumcise? What am I? am not even using the thing. Okay, let's just cut it off and, and forget about the thing. It's of no use to anybody. And yet, Abraham believed God. Science said Abraham could not be that Abraham that Abraham could not produce. Uh, 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 enough sperm to be able to inseminate a woman at that age. Neither was it possible scientifically for an 89-year-old woman to receive seed naturally from the husband, get pregnant, and that. Happened. In fact, Sarah laughed. Said, "Is <laughs> two, two, two old people, 99, 89? What is going on? Everybody would just believing that. Are these two people still doing this thing? But the Bible says that God strengthened Sarah." And Sarah was able to receive seed and con- It was a supernatural action. Against all hope, against all medical reports, Sarah was able to conceive. I want you to note, many times when we talk about the um, barrenness of Sarah, we note that they were barren for 24 years or 25 years. But no, that's not it. They were barren for longer than that. In fact, the Bible, I think in Genesis chapter 11, had said that Sarah was barren. Had concluded that Sarah was barren. By the time God was speaking to Abraham in nine, in, in, at, at the age of 75, Sarah was already 65. She, they had been married much longer than that. And so she was barren before then. But we Bible loves, we all one time we talk about it, we only look at the period from when God spoke to Abraham and when it happened. So we talk of 24, 25 years. But really, it was much longer than that. That Sarah had been buried and completely to be buried. And what is also important about this whole thing is that I want you to know when God begins something, he, he concludes it. The Bible says, will God bring the woman to the stool and not bring the baby forth? Can you imagine at 90, at 90, Sarah was pushing a baby out at 90, if not for supernatural power. The grace of God. How would she have been able to do that? Today we have young girls who cannot even push for long. They have to perform a uh, CS on them. Yet at that time there was no med- no medicine, no medical intervention. And yet she was able to bring forth a strong virile young man. Young, young baby. The young baby boy. At the age of 90. Why? Because of the word of God that was spoken to both of them. The word of God has the power. The ability to bring to pass whatever is spoken by God himself to. So remember, regardless of what may be happening to the contrary, maybe medically they say it, it cannot happen, as a scientific say no, it's not possible, it's not practical, it cannot happen, just believe God and hold on to his word regardless of what, is, of, of what you are saying. In fact, the more the contrary events happen, the, 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 the firmer you should hold on to the word of God. Number five, still looking at the word of God as the basis for our faith. Now, the question arises, what if something has never been proven to have occurred before and then God speaks to you about it? What do you do? It has never happened before. Now, in the time of Abraham, it had never happened that a 100-year-old and a 90-year-old will give birth. Naturally. It never happened. But okay, fine, it has happened. Now, many other times we've heard of people who were barren for a long time and God gave them children. But what if something else happens? That has never ever happened. That God speaks to you about the principle is the same. Believe God and trust Him. It never, it never. Just believe God and trust Him. In Second Kings chapter five, Bible tells us the beautiful story of a, a Syrian general. Uh, his name was Naaman But he was a leper. He would fight. He was a military strategist. But he he was he was he was a, lep, a lepros man. And for all of that, he still had he still recorded much success. Now. A day came when he went out to battle and brought in a slave girl from the nation of Israel. The girl was a, a, was a maid to uh, Naaman's wife. Naaman was leprous. I'm sure he must have been putting on stockings or gloves or whatever it was they called it at the time to hide the leprosy. And probably it was the wife who probably would uh, be, 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 be seeing him, feeding him, and taking care of him, and so on and so forth. But on one occasion, this maid of uh, Naaman's wife, may have been present at the time when she noticed that this man is actually leprous. This, this general, this powerful man, leprous. And she went to the madam and said, Madam, there is a prophet in Israel who can cure this uh, ogaz uh, leprosy." The wife said, is that so? Okay. So told Neman, and Neyman went. Now, what is important here and significant here is that nowhere in the Bible up to that point has it ever been documented that a leper was healed, that a leper was cured, that a leper was made whole. But this girl, this little girl, just believed the ability of God. That was all that was. it. She never heard that it had been done before, but she believed the ability of God and said to the madam, "Oga just needs to go to meet the prophet in Israel and he will be made whole. Naman, thinking that this was a, the, the, the area for diplomacy, began to get diplomatic papers to go and meet the king. And he went to meet the king. And the king was upset with Nehman. Ah, how can you come to me? I'm a king. What is my business with uh, curing leprosy? He said, look at this man. He's coming to look for trouble again. Then the, the prophet Elisha heard what was going on in the palace and said, send that general to me. So the king sent Naman to Elisha's place. When Naman got to Elisha's place, Elisha was indoors and sent a servant to tell Nehman that he should go to the Jordan river and uh, dip himself seven times and that all would be well. Nehman was furious. What kind, of, what kind of man is this who had no respect for him, who would not even as much as come out to see him, but he's sending him instructions. I give orders. No, I don't take orders. But while he was angry and leaving and said, of all the waters for me to even take my bath in, he is Jordan. When there are better rivers in Syria. The rivers uh, Parfa and anabana Why should I come into uh, this dirty Jordan and bathe? Then his servants pleaded with us and said, sir, if they had told you, if this man had told you that you should go and conquer ten nations and your leprosy would be whole, you would you would do that. What he's asking you to do may seem very foolish, may seem very simple, but it is what he's asking you to do. What is important is the goal. The goal is we want your leprosy uh, cured. Let's go and do it. Nehman went into the Jordan River, jumped in first time, came out, in the second time, came out, third, fourth, fifth I'm sure by the sixth time it was well, well let's just do so that I can finish this and get out of By the seventh time as he went in and came out, everybody was shocked. The leprosy was completely gone. Neymar's skin was like that of a newborn child. It was as if he was just being born anew, which actually was what was happening to Nehman that day. He was a new man that day. As he came out of the water, he became whole. It had never been done before, yet through persuasion and other things, he believed and he became whole. The first leper recorded in the Bible to have been killed was a Gentile. He wasn't even a believer, but he believed, accepted that, okay, let's trust God. In Mark chapter 11, I want to read uh, some portion of scripture to us. The Bible tells us about how the Lord Jesus Christ was hungry, wanted to eat from a fig tree, that Had only leaves, but no. When he got there, he got there were no figs, only leaves. He looked at the tree as deceptive and cursed the tree that day. And they left. The following day, when they were going out, they realized Peter, the, 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 one of the disciples, Peter particularly realized that. Wait a minute, this tree is dead. We were there when the when the master cursed the tree, and now the tree has died. Ah! And so you know, he 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 he, he expressed his surprise from verse twenty-two of Mark chapter eleven, verse twenty-two of Mark chapter eleven. From there. The Bible says, Jesus answered and said to them, have faith in God. Trust God. Just depend on him. Put your trust in him. It was never recorded that a tree was ever cursed. But here this tree was cursed and it withered instantly and died. In verse 23 it says, for assuredly I say to you, whoever says to this mountain, be removed and be cast into the sea and does not doubt in his heart, but believes that those things he says will be done, he will have whatever he says. I had a very interesting story of once um, a a young boy, they they were in Bible study in the morning, Bible devotion, morning devotion before going to school. I think this was in the United States of America or so. And that day the father was reading from here. And the father taught and said, look, all we need is to have faith in God. Just believe whatever it is that you desire of God. Believe God and you will have it. Don't doubt anything. And they finished the Bible study, they prayed and they went to school. As they were walking to school, the the little child with his uh, uh, playmates were walking to school and he st- stood by this mountain that was covering the beach, uh, the, the, the seafront to their town and spoke to the mountain and said, Mountain, I speak to you, be thou uprooted and be thou cast into the sea. And his, his playmates looked at him, <laughs> you know, jokingly like, and said, What is he doing? What is this boy doing? The boy said to the, he said, my father said this morning that if I say, if I believe something and I say to that, to this mountain, be removed and cast into the sea, it will be done unto me. They laughed it off and they went home and they went on to school. At about 10 a.m., they heard a blast, but you know, they were in school, so they didn't bother. But when they were returning that afternoon, he was, he was even walking past. It was his playmate who stood stunned and he was walking. I said, what is it? And they, they, they stopped because when they looked towards the mountain, it was not there. It had been removed. They, 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 they were wondering what was going on. Now, the backstory of this is that that morning, the, uh, the the mayor of the of the of the of the city just woke up and said to the city engineer, "said Look, this this mountain is disturbing us. It's not letting us enjoy the full benefit of the seafront." Please send engineers, make sure that it is blasted and the remains are cast into the sea. They are thrown into the sea. And they went and blasted the mountain, which was what the, the children heard at about 10, 11 in the morning. They blasted. And by the time they were returned at about 2 o'clock in the afternoon, the tractors and everything had cleared the debris into the sea and they had left. So when his playmates were stunned at what they saw, the boy turned to them and said, Did I not tell you that I said, My father said that if I believe in anything, and I and I pray about it and command it to be to be removed and be cast into the sea, it will happen. They were stunned and it happened. Because she believed that because that boy believed his father. And that is what the Lord is saying to us. Just believe God. Believe what you what is have faith in God. Believe God. That whatsoever you are, if you say to a mountain, be removed and be cast into the sea, it will be done. There should be no doubt in us. We have to believe absolutely. In verse 24, it says, Therefore I say to you, Whatever things you ask, whatever things you ask, there is no qualification here. Whatever thing you ask, when you pray, believe that you receive it, you should receive them, and you will have them. It's unequivocal. There are no conditions attached. Just believe, and it will happen. And then there's a caveat in 25 to 26. It says, and whenever you stand praying, if you have anything against anyone, forgive him, and your Father in heaven, May also for, that your Father in heaven may also forgive you, may also forgive you your trespasses. But if you do not forgive, neither will your Father in heaven forgive your trespasses. What is he saying? You cannot say you have faith to believe God, to answer a prayer. And yet you are holding other people in unbelief. You cannot believe one part of the Bible and then disbelieve the other part of the Bible and expect that the part of the Bible that you believe will work for you when the part of the other part of the Bible you have refused to believe. Your belief, your faith must be holistic. So he's saying, if there is unforgiveness in your life, make sure you are forgiven and then go and ask. In other words, you also walk holy. Believe every single word of God, of of, of the Lord. You cannot just be believing for miracles alone. But you don't believe uh, uh, holy living. You you don't believe the righteousness of God. You don't believe what God says uh, uh, on the manner in which you should conduct yourself. But you want to trust God for for him to do something in your life. I recall uh, one of those days, some years ago, when when I used to be on radio. And um, we had just finished a radio broadcast. And somebody called in and to ask for prayers. He was seeking uh, employment, and he was asking for, for, for me to pray. So I, I, I asked him a simple question. I said, well, so um, are, are you born again? Uh, what is your salvation experience? He said, oh, well, I'm not born again now. I said, ah, so what is the problem? He said, I'm, uh, I just don't, I don't believe in that thing. I said, ah, how is it that you don't, be, you don't, the same God that you cannot believe for your salvation, you want to believe him for a job? If you can believe God for a job, you can believe God for salvation. But he didn't want anything to do with salvation, but he wanted the benefits that those who are saved would naturally enjoy. It doesn't work that way. You cannot say, I believe God in A, but I don't believe God in B, when it is the same God that spoke about A and spoke about B. You must believe all. So your faith must be Total and complete, not just what you desire alone, but all, all that God has asked you to do, even though they may not be related, you also have to do it. Number six, faith requires that you trust God absolutely, even when it may be, even when it may not be in your favor on face value. Whatever God is asking you to it may not be in your favor on face value. But believe God in Daniel chapter 3, verse 1 to 30. I think that's virtually the whole chapter. Bible tells us about Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. These were children of Israel, but governors or uh, uh, rulers under Nebuchadnezzar. And then Nebuchadnezzar had made a golden statue and had said that people should come and bow to the golden statue. But these three Hebrew children refused to bow to the to the to the to the image, and. Was was furious and said, you, are you saying that you're not going to bow to my image? I gave a command. I'm the one employing you. I'm the one paying you. Don't you know that your salary depends on me? Don't you know that your life, your very life depends on me? They said to him, sir, we do not care to answer you on this matter. We, The God that we serve, he will save us. We know what we believe. That we are not to bow to idols, regardless of what happens. We are not to bow to idols. So if you are going to Uh, 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 throw us into the, the fire, which was the punishment, you better start doing that because there's no way we are going to bow to this idol. Fire or no fire. And Nebuchadnezzar was so furious that he said that they should heat up the furnace seven times hotter. And the Bible records that even the men that went to throw these ones into the fire, they were consumed by the fire. So basically, we can say that, we can admit that these three book kids walked into the fire virtually on their own because if the fire had consumed the people who were taking them into the fire, then they probably walked into the fire on their own. And there they were in the fire. And suddenly Nebuchadnezzar looked and said, Wait a minute, did we not cast three men into this fire? They said, Yes. But I am seeing the fourth, I've seen a fourth person in there. Now, the Bible records that it was Nebuchadnezzar who saw the fourth man. We don't know that any other person saw the fourth man, but Nebuchadnezzar saw the fourth person in the fire and said, And this fourth person that I'm seeing, he looks like a son of God. And then he, he yells, Shadrach, me!" Go, come out, come out, come out, come out. And they walked out of the fire. The Bible says that the fire burnt off the rope that they had tied them with, but did not burn their clothing, the cloak that they put on. It did not burn them. It did not even burn their hair. Uh, I, I remember a story that was told of um, a very bearded, very uh, heavily bearded man who uh, was superintending a store and then the store caught fire. And somebody came and said, wow, the store caught fire. Was this man in the, in the store? They said, yes. They said, I hope his beard did not catch fire. People looked and said, what are you talking about? That's the first thing that will catch fire. Of course, the beard was burnt. The man was heavily burnt, but he survived. So it's the same thing. How do people get into fire and the hair on their head is not singed? The clothing is not burned, but the rope that they are tied with was, was, was loosed. It may not have been in the favor of Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego to believe God in the face of the threat of being burned alive. But they believed God who said that they are not to bow to any image. And they held their head high. Perhaps you are walking in a system where they insist that you must do certain things otherwise you will lose your pay. Maybe that is God wanting to get you to the place where you will become, as it were, a um a sign on his account to other people that there is a God in the world that will see you through. In Isaiah 45, verse 2, Isaiah chapter 45, verse 2. The Bible, God, God here speaking, makes this pronouncement, and you can take this to the bank on any account. It says, I will go before you and make the crooked places straight. I will break sorry, Isaiah 40. 43, I'm sorry. Isaiah 43 uh, verse 2. It says, when you pass through the waters, I will be with you. And through the rivers, they shall not overflow you. When you walk through the fire, you shall not be burned, nor shall the flame scorch you. This is the word of God. The children of Israel, they believed God and they survived it. What of Daniel in the lion's den? Nobody had ever survived a lion attack when Daniel was cast into the den of the lion. But he survived by the next day when the king ran out said Daniel are you still alive he said my my, my my God has sent angels to shut the mouth of the lions they didn't eat me at all and then when Daniel's enemies were now cast into the into the dead the lions ate them up before they even got to the ground what was it about Daniel it was the his, the, his faith in God lions cannot eat a man of faith there are, there are things that can consume other people they cannot consume a man of And who is a man of faith? A man of faith is a man who believes convincingly every word that comes out of the mouth of God. Faith requires that you trust God. Absolutely. Even when it may not be in your favor on faith. Just hold on to God. Whatever the circumstances. you you, You see, you cannot live by faith on a daily basis when you don't even know the word of God. That's why you have to be reading the Bible. You must hear hear from God on a daily basis. Meditate on his word. You will hear him speaking to you. You will hear him giving you instructions. Number seven. Even if you are not seeing the results, keep holding on to the word of God. Just keep at it. Just keep at it. The Bible says in 2 Corinthians 5, verse 7. 2 Corinthians 5, verse 7. It says, for we walk by faith, not by sight. I might add, not by sense. We walk by faith. We walk by believing the word of God. We walk by holding on to the word of God. We walk by trusting God. In Luke chapter 18, verse 1 to 8, the Bible gives us a story. Uh, The Lord Jesus told the parable and the first thing he said before telling the parable was that men ought always to pray and not to faint. He said, don't give up. Just keep praying. Don't give up. Don't stop. Just believe God and continue to pray. And then he told the story of a widow who had no body, no support system, no support structure rather, Nothing, just herself. And she had been done, a grave injustice had been done her. And so she went to to, to, to this judge, whom the Bible says neither feared God nor man, and went to meet this judge and pleaded with the judge to help her. The judge wouldn't listen to her. But every day, persistently she went, persistently she went, until the judge said, Look, if I don't help this, if I don't do something for this woman, she will weary me with her persistent calm and gave the woman justice. And the Bible says, Do you not know that God? Will do. Will give you justice the same way. This, 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 in fact, faster than this judge had given this woman justice. And then the Lord just asks that when the son of man shall return, shall he find faith? In James chapter five, James chapter five, reading from verse um, sixteen, the B part of verse sixteen to eighteen, he says, "The effective fervent prayer of a righteous man avails much. The effective fervent prayer of a righteous man." avails much, has power, has tremendous power, brings forth results. In verse 17, it says, Elijah was a man with a nature like ours and he prayed earnestly that it would not rain and it did not rain on the land for three years and six months and he prayed again and the heaven gave rain and the earth produced its fruit. Elijah was a man like you and I. In fact, Elijah had his problems. Elijah was not married. Elijah had no children, had no wife. He had his own challenges, had his own difficulties. People could have looked at him and said, look at this man of God who does not have this, who does not have that. And then he's the one coming to do this or do that. But he prayed. He prayed, believing God. And the Bible says for a space of three and a half years, nothing happened. And then he prayed again after that, after three and a half years, and rain came. How did he achieve this? I want to read the truth. In 1 Kings chapter 18, 1 Kings chapter 18 from verse 41 to 46. Then Elijah said to Ahab, go up and eat. For there is the sound of abundance of rain. He had heard in the spirit realm, rain falling after three and a half years. But there was no rain visibly. So he told her, go up and eat. I'm hearing the sound of abundance of rain. No more grieving over famine or no famine. The, the, the famine is over. Now in verse 42, Bible says, so Ahab went up to eat and drink. And Elijah went up to the top of Carmel, that's the mountain. Then he bowed down on the ground and put his face between his knees and said to his servants, go up now, look toward the sea. So he went up and looked and said, there is nothing. And seven times he said, go again. He kept praying, he kept praying and said, there's nothing. Then, in verse 44, he said, then it came to pass, the seventh time. Then he said, there is a cloud as small as a man's hand, one tiny cloud rising out of the sea. So he said, go up and say to him, prepare your chariot. And go down before the rain stops you. All Elijah heard was that there's a tiny cloud, just like the the size of a man's fist. One tiny cloud like this forming. And on the base of that, he said, that's it. Go and tell Ahab that he should start getting to to, to town. Otherwise, the rain will stop him. And the Bible says that Elijah gathered his, his cloak and began to run. Ahab was in a chariot and Elijah still outran a chariot by the power of God. Whatever you are praying about. Even when you are not seeing the results, just keep doing it. Just keep at it. Keep at the word of God. Keep holding on to the word of God. No matter what. I think I mentioned that the last time. That you must keep saying the word of God. You must keep reciting what God has said to you. You must just keep reciting it. I know like that little child was saying to his um, friends when he spoke to the mountain. He said, my father said, if I command the mountain and ask it to, because it will obey me. When he came and saw the result, he said, I told you, this is what my father said. So you must keep reciting it. Keep saying it until it happens. In Luke chapter 11, verse 5 to 13, Luke 11, 5 to 13, the Bible says, ask and it shall be given to you. The the real translation of that is that ask and keep on asking and you will receive. Seek and keep on seeking and you will find. Knock and keep on knocking and the door shall open unto you. When you say you are seeking with God, there is a goal in view. The goal Is to find what you are seeking after. You are not just seeking in vain. You are seeking to find. So until you find, you keep seeking. You are not just asking in vain. You are asking to receive. So until you receive, you keep on asking. Sometimes your prayer may not just be a prayer of asking for for that thing. It may just be a prayer of thanksgiving that I have received this. Keep on knocking. Keep on banging on heaven's door. On heaven's gate. And that thing that God wants to bring to you, he will certainly give to you. It is his word. Because there, in that same Luke chapter 11, 5 to 13, he talks about those of us who are human fathers with all the wickedness that we have. He says, which one of you will your son ask for bread and you'll give him uh, uh, a snake? Well, ask for an egg and give him a snake or ask for fish and then you give him a scorpion. If you, who are wicked, you know how to give good, good gifts to your children, how much more will God give to you if you ask him for the Spirit, the Holy Spirit? There are many of us who have not yet asked for the Holy Spirit, and even when we do ask, we start wondering, will I, will I, will I, will, how, how am I sure that it's the Spirit of God that will come upon me? God is said he is a good God. You ask for the Holy Spirit, and you receive it. I remember some years ago, quite quite uh, over a decade now, I believe it is. A, a, a lady came to uh, our church. Then I was a missionary in a foreign land, and she she had been a Christian for some time, but she couldn't pray in the Spirit, and she was asking me, Pastor, would I be able to pray in the Spirit? I said yes. He said, I said, well, I don't know when, but I know for sure that you will pray in the Spirit because you receive the Holy Spirit. Just ask. And so one day we, we came to church and we began to pray and she was praying in the Spirit and I said, what happened? She said, she doesn't know. It just happened that she, was, she believed God and it happened. So you cannot say you're a Christian, for example. I've, I've come across a number of people lately who tell me that they are Christians, they are believers. In fact, one of them says he's a, a prayer warrior only for me to discover that he's not even born again. So I was wondering, what, what, what church encourages somebody who's not born again to be a prayer warrior where do they get these things from and then there are people who say that they are christians and they have not received the holy spirit and i'm wondering why have you not received the holy spirit all you need to do is trust god pray about it and you'll receive him i recall uh in, in a church I, I pastored some years ago and um there are quite a number of people in the church who, who had not received the holy spirit and one day i told them i said look just ask god and nobody's going to tell you how to pray or anything. Just ask God and he will grant it to you. And in one day, one, one, one service, as we, as we began to pray, they began to receive the Holy Spirit just like that. Nobody laid hands on them. Nobody taught them. I told them, just believe God. Paul said that when I came to you, I spoke to you in the power of the word of God, the power of the spirit, not the wisdom of men, that your faith may hinge on the power of the word of God and on the spirit of God. And not on men. So you believe God. Talk to God about it. And you will see that he will baptize you. Wonderfully in the spirit of God. And you will begin to be able to speak. In other tongues. There is nothing wrong with In fact. The, that is one of the ways by which we know. That you have indeed received salvation. When you begin to pray in the spirit. That is how we know it. I mean that is the simple truth. The physical evidence. That a man has received the spirit of God. Is when he begins to pray in the spirit. So far looking at the the, the, uh, faith coming by hearing and hearing by the word of God. We have said, you must be convinced. You must be convinced. Then you must make sure that you are in constant communication with God and whatever God says to you, do. Believe the word of God. Keep believing the word of God. Even when the things happening around you seem to contradict what God has said to you, hold on to the word of God. And if something has not happened before, if never happened before and God has spoken to you about it, believe God. It will surely come to pass. Just keep trusting God. No matter what. Even on face value, when it seems that things are going against you, just believe God and it will happen. And finally, we said to you that if you are not seeing the results, just keep at it. The fact that you don't see the result is not the issue. The issue is: are you holding on to God? Are you keeping hold? Are you keeping on holding on to God? That is what is that is what matters. On a final note, which will be our eighth, eighth point for today, I want to encourage you to understand one thing. That the word of God, that God has spoken to you, has no expiration date. It does not expire just because the word was spoken to you in 2018. And 2018 is now ending. So it means that word has ended. No! There is not, I, I don't know where we get this notion from. That, the, the, that is why it, it is a problem to me. When I hear people say, the word of God for the year, this is this. The word of God for the word, uh, for the year, this is this. And it gives the impression to people that once that year has passed, that word has passed. That is not how God works. God does not dwell in time. We are the ones who dwell in time. When God speaks, he has spoken. The Bible says the word of God does not return to him. Let me read it to you. Isaiah chapter 55. Isaiah chapter 55, verse 8 to 11. Isaiah 55, verse 8 to 11. He says, for my thoughts are not your thoughts, nor are your ways my ways, says the Lord. You must understand that. This is one of the crucial things that you must understand when it comes to uh, living by faith. That your thoughts, the way you think, is not the way God is thinking. And you must get, you must get to that, that thinking way of God. And that the way God does things is not the way we would expect it to be done. For example, we would expect a friend to be supportive of us. Yet God can use your enemy to be your support. In verse 9, it says, for as the heavens are higher than the earth, so are my ways higher than your ways, and my thoughts than your thoughts. There is nobody that can fully comprehend the ways of God. Nobody can fully articulate how God is going to do what he wants to do, uh, when he's going to do it, the manner in which he's going to use, or what he's going to use to do it. Nobody can tell. For example, there was a mad prophet. There was nobody around the mad prophet. He used the donkey to speak to the mad prophet. God can use anything to do his work. In verse 10, it says, For as the rain comes down and the snow from heaven, and do not return there, but water the earth, and make it bring forth and board, that it may give seed to the sower and bread to the eater, so shall my word be that goes forth from my mouth. It shall not return to me void, but it shall accomplish what I please, and it shall prosper in the thing for which I sent it. God is saying, my word is not going to expire until it is accomplished in your life. So God spoke a word to you 10 years ago, and because 10 years ago is 10 years ago, you feel that word has expired, it has not expired. That word is around until it is done, it doesn't return. That was why the Lord Jesus remained, the Lord, of, the Lord Jesus is the word of God. He remained on there until he made the pronouncement on the cross. It is finished. The word is accomplished. The word of salvation is accomplished. And then he bowed and gave up the ghost. It was done. The word of God is never going to return. When the word of God returns to God is to say it is accomplished. The task is done. So so, and so person has been given what he requested. The, 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 your promise to A, your promise to B has been accomplished. The word only returns to tell God what has been accomplished. The word does not return to say, well, you know, I, I, I failed. I, it didn't work because, uh, uh, you know, the word was given in uh, 2015. And um, since the year changed, Um, (laughs) I had to return because it has expired. The word of God does not expire. It has no expiration date. In Numbers chapter 23, Numbers chapter 23, verse 19, this is somebody who's not even a prophet of God speaking, and yet it is the word of God. He said, God is not a man that he should lie, nor a son of man that he should repent. That is, that take back what he has said. He has, he said, and will he not do? Or has he spoken and will he not make it good? God is not a man. God cannot tell a lie. And you cannot untwist God to give you a word. So once God has given a word, once God has given you a promise, not one thing. Whether if it is conditional, you do the condition. If it is an unconditional promise, leave that to God. At the right time, at the appropriate time, at the set time, he will make it happen. You didn't force him to give a promise. He promised it. If he spoke the word, he will do it. Has he said and will he not do? God does not say what he's not going to do. Has he spoken and will he not make it good? God does not make a promise and not keep it. In verse 20 it says, Behold, I have received a command to bless. He has blessed and I cannot reverse it. A king had called Balaam to come and curse the children of Israel and God said, No, they are blessed. Bless them. And for all Balaam's attempt to curse Israel, God refused him to curse them. He blessed them. Belacoa, the employee Belam, was angry with, with, with Belam. Balaam made this prayer and said, God is not a man. He, he said that he has blessed them. I can't curse them. And I want to sound this note here that the Bible says, a curse without cause shall never alight. If you are a child of God, there is no curse that can come upon you. I don't care who the person is. If you are a child of God, there is no curse that can come upon you. It's not possible. So all those preachers who keep saying that, oh, they want to break generational curses, they don't know what they're talking about. When you were saved, the tra- Bible says you were translated from the kingdom of darkness to the kingdom of light. You were moved out of the place where those kind of things uh, uh, come upon the people who belong to that. You were moved to a different kingdom where the power of God is at work, keeping you, protecting you, and watching over you. And so I want you to know that. The word of God that is spoken to you has no expiration date. It only expires after it has been accomplished in your life. If it has not been accomplished, it is there. That is why when God spoke to Abraham, he stayed with Abraham until Isaac was born. Until Isaac was born, that word that God had spoken stood there. Only to return to say, Isaac has been born, it is accomplished. You say, fine. So, whatever it is God has told you, even if he told it to you 30 years ago, believe it. Hold on to it, because it will not expired. That is the word of God. I want to conclude by saying to you that walking or living by faith implies that you are convinced or fully persuaded about the certainty, the veracity, the truthfulness of the word of God. No doubting whatsoever. And therefore believe and act upon it, knowing that God loves you and that his will is supreme above all else. When God has a will, there is nothing that can change that will. I want you to understand that. The will of God can never be changed. No amount of prayer is going to change the will of God. Sometimes God may suspend certain things, which is when we talk about a miracle. But that is all. It's a suspension. Afterward, it reverts back. But his will will never be changed. He doesn't change his will. Once God has made a pronouncement concerning you, it's not going to change. So even if what God is asking of you has never happened before, remember that what God has said will surely come to pass. And so you hold on to God. Remember, God's word does not expire. It will remain there until it accomplishes its purpose. And so I want to say to us, hold on to God. Hold on to the word of God. Be convinced about the word of God. Keep believing the word of God. Pray with faith. Pray believing. And I guarantee you by the word of God that you will see the results in no too distant future. Remember, the word of God has no expiration date. It only expires when its task is accomplished in your life. And until we see again, God bless you.